Good Thursday morning to you. I'm Wiley. You're watching the Wiley Report. Today we're talking about immigration policies of people. You know, that's one of the things I talk about all the time uh, on the Wiley Report is how information is used, how information is applied, how policies affect people and policies are people. And I don't know if many have been watching the commentary on various talk shows, news organizations about uh, the immigration uh, issue in Del, Del uh, Rio, Texas uh, with the Haitian immigrants. Uh, so where that comes from or where that situation comes from is there was Title 42. It actually was uh, a, a policy that was passed under the Trump administration. But Title 42 is said to be a public safety measure to slow the spread of coronavirus. Uh, it's it's um, not an immigration authority, but a public health authority. Its goal is to protect the American public, to protect communities along the border, and to protect the migrants themselves. Yet uh, opponents, proponents of this against this policy state that physicians and immigrants and advocates um, say the position is merely a pretext to remove migrants from the country quickly, with the most recent example being those sheltered uh, under the International Bridge at the Del Rio Port of Entry. Um, an attorney um, uh, with the American Civil uh, Union, Civil Liberties Union says Haiti's situation in Del Rio is awful. Um, but it is the only the most recent dramatic illustration of what Title 42 can do. And although Biden's administration undid some of former uh, President Donald Trump's harsh immigration policy, it is seeking a balance to, de to deter more migrants from crossing the border. You know, one of the things, um, and to give more context, text to Title 42, um, the Trump administration argued that migrants coming across the southern border did not qualify as refugees fleeing persecution and therefore were not protected by U.S. asylum law. And as early as 2019, during an outbreak of months, uh, not coronavirus, uh, the White House advisor Stephen Miller reportedly pushed for using Title 42 to turn back would-be migrants. And so the, Bi the Biden administration is appealing uh, the decision to, not that particular decision. Hang on, I said that wrong. What I said was right as far as the White House advisor reportedly pushed for using Title 42 to turn back would-be migrants. Then March, 2020, with the coronavirus rapidly uh, spreading in the United States, the administration decided to invoke Title 42 to clamp down on, on the border. And then the government expelled about 9,000 unaccompanied children who crossed the border before a federal judge uh, in November. Uh, but that judge ordered an injunction aimed at halting the practice. That judge was Emmett Sullivan. And it said that Title 42 allows officials to block the entry of non-citizens who carry diseases, but does not allow expulsion. He ordered an injunction to stop the rapid expulsion. Though the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District uh, of Columbia later stayed his order. And the Biden administration did, did carve out exceptions for unaccompanied migrant children. It allowed the majority of parents and children arriving together to ask for asylum, but it is compelled to ex expel many others, including some families and tens of thousands of single adults crossing the border. And, and last week, Sullivan ordered a similar halt 
uh, in the use of Title 42 to turn away families with children, setting a two-week deadline for the administration to comply. And the administration is appealing that decision as well. And here's, here's the narrative, though, that I bring up today. is the narrative of the conversation about uh, immigration in this context is oftentimes you'll see the conversation about the experiences of Afghans and the experiences of Haitian immigrants. And, you know, some of the conversation is that we, the, the justification for Afghans, and I'm not saying that we're wrong. Please hear me. I'm not saying we're wrong with the information that's out there that's talking about, you know, the, the it was going to be up to 95,000 uh, Afghan evacuees that are, that will be in, in located in, 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 in various states. Um, I'm not saying that that policy is wrong. I'm just talking about the narrative and the infrastructure support. Why is it for certain certain communities you you find and have resources, and for others you do not? I just don't understand the separation in that conversation, the separation in that policy, uh, because the justification for the Afghans. Hear me, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying let's let's look at conversation. The conversation is that. Uh, we're providing refuge to individuals who assisted us in combat in Afghanistan. We're providing refuge to vulnerable women, journalists, young kids. This is one of our greatest traditions as a country. We have committed relief to those individuals and we are delivering it. And we're delivering it while, while securing the safety of the American public. But with the immigrants, though. Is the argument that yes, we understand that their situation is is um is terrible, is devastating, but it's not the same. And I find the problem with that because I think when you rank oppression, when you rank who's who's done more, who has to do this in order to get get services, you create problems. You create problems because that's the wrong that's the wrong conversation. It, it is. I'm trying to go to this um page to show you, to talk about it a little bit more. Hang on with me. Because you're saying in essence, your argument is this, this group of people have, have done more, they helped us. They justified, you know, their reason to be here. The other people were sorry that they, they experienced that, but you know, we can't help. That, that, that is old, older uh, saints, elders, colloquialisms would say that dog won't hunt. Because here's six ways that Haiti has helped the United States. And this is from Know Your uh, Caribbean History. During the late 1700s, Haiti was the richest colony in the world, making more money than the Spanish Empire. When the USA was battling the English during their revolution, France, after making their wealth off of Haiti, gave $9 billion to the USA in assistance. This money was instrumental in winning the war. Without Haitian money, there have been or has been no USA independence. Three, here's something else. France used Haiti as a transient point to send military aid to America during this revolutionary war in support of the, or of America, of, um, of the American Patriot cause. The gunpowder used in the famous U.S. Battle of Saratoga came from Haiti. 
Haiti sent over 500 million, excuse me, 500 men of color to fight for the American patriot cause in Savannah, Georgia, including children as young as 12. One of the children was a future leader of Haiti, Henry Christophe. When the Haitian Re uh, Revolution happened, Napoleon losing the world's richest colony to formerly enslaved Africans was desperate for money. With this loss and his desperation to fund conquests in Europe, he sold 530 million acres of land to America for money. The acres of land make up what we know as the states of Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Colorado, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wyoming, North Dakota, and Montana. I'm going to say that again. The acres of land make up what we know as the states of Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Colorado, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wyoming, North Dakota, and Montana. Without the Haitian Revolution, these areas would have stayed belonging to France. During the height of American Civil War and the fight to keep slavery alive in the USA, Haiti offered free passage, land, and citizenship to African Americans who couldn't make it to the ships leaving for Haiti in New Orleans. After the Haitian Revolution, France forced Haiti to pay them 21 billion in today's money for their freedom from enslavement. Over the decades, the, the over those decades, the USA became an appointed debt collector for France, accruing millions in fees. The USA took control over Haiti's gold reserve. They seized control of Haiti's customs houses, administrative institutions, banks, and the national treasury with the United States, using a total of 40% of Haiti's national income to repay debts to American and French bank for 20 years. Under U.S. government's control, a total of 40% of Haiti's national income was designated to repay debts to, to American and French banks. I want you to think about that. In the argument that they said, this, this is who we are as a country. The United States stands up for people who stood up for us. We're providing refuge to individuals who assisted us in combat. We're providing refuge to vulnerable women, journalists, and young kids. So we're using that argument, just saying, Haiti already proved it. They did. They already proved it. Just wanted you to think about that. All I'm saying This is what I'm going to say and I'm going to go. I don't mean no harm. Because I realize that I sit from a privileged place. And by privileged place, I mean that I'm a United States citizen. I'm working. 
I'm employed. I've not, I don't have any experiences of knowing what it's like to live in a city, in a country that has experienced devastation of any type. I do not know what the, I do not have the experience of knowing what it's like to have to flee from someplace and go to someplace else and hope that I'll be able to take care of myself and hope that I'll be able to get it together and watch as the aid that I have is very little or none. I don't have that experience to even know what that's like. Yet, even though I don't, as I sit here with fresh coffee breath, and I, I don't mean, I'm not trying to, to make this funny. I'm just saying, I'm just, just living in my truth. You know, regardless, even though I don't have that experience, I still believe that asylum seekers should be welcome. All refugees deserve protection. I don't understand the argument where you say this group of people has done stuff to help us. So we're going to stand alongside them. So did this group of people. In my opinion, so have they. All refugees deserve protection, not just our allies. And I often find in looking at logic and, and just ideas and how they're interconnected, you can often see this same type of belief system that Breed, I don't know if breed is a word, carries over, connects to other things. And I'm thinking, why are we having that argument when all refugees deserve our protection? I feel the same way about people that are oppressed. I don't have to see your oppression to know that you are. You'll never have to prove it to me. I want you to be able to, to live your best life and to have all the resources that you need to have. I really want you to do that. I don't see you know, an individual, a group, a person coming over here as a threat to me. So I don't get the arguments that Republicans or Democrats are having or different groups of communities are having when they say we're letting too many people in. What are you talking about? We don't, and, and why is it that we don't have that conversation or, or not why is it that we don't have the conversation? Why is that conversation limited to certain groups of people? I just don't understand that. I don't understand. That's why I totally understood what uh, Sonny was saying on The View the other day. Break it down for me. We sent 86 back, but 95,000, we found the resources for. And the argument is not that that is wrong. The argument is this, all refugees deserve protection. All that are coming over here, that are saying they're fleeing and they want to build a better life, help them, help them do that. Why, 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 why are we out here saying we're the greatest country in the, in the world and that we have all these resources, but when people need help, and they just need need a place to stay. We're like, hey, we can't help you. We we use that same argument in so many different other areas that it's, it blows my mind. And my position will still be the same. All refugees deserve protection. Why do we have these policies in place? This, this policy that actually says that the migrants coming across the Southern border did not qualify as refugees. How do we make that argument? What, what were the factors that said that they weren't? Is it really about the coronavirus spreading? I don't believe that this, that's, I don't believe that's the argument. I know that's what you said, but I don't believe that's true. Back to my point, all refugees deserve protection. Not just our allies. And if we're going to use that argument about our allies, Haiti already proved it. History has shown it. Let's pay attention. Coffee and conversation. Let me know what you think. 
wileyreport at gmail.com. Y'all have a great day. Bye.